How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. And that baby is gone. Olsen wins it off Hater in the bottom of the 10th inning. And you know where we're going. Pack your bags, folks. All aboard. Next stop. And here's the 1 0 pitch to Matt. Swung on, launched to left field deep. Vamp going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by Matt Chapman's three run home run. And the A's have won the game. You're now listening to the Seam Hits with Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, and Rob Bermudez, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Seamheads Podcast. Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, and Rob Bermudez back with another week talking A's baseball. Welcoming welcoming in now uh, someone we have not had on the podcast before, but a name that I think all A's fans are familiar with, uh, former Rookie of the Year and now manager of the Stockton Ports, Bobby Crosby. Bobby, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Not much. I'm just kind of hanging out like everybody else, not doing much. So what are you doing to stay busy, man? How are you? Uh, how are you getting your managerial chops going, dude? During this, uh, during the the hiatus, you you playing MLB the show, or you you doing a sim managed games? How are you? Uh, how are you getting your Jones? Oh well, I'm chopping up a bit. Uh, I'm just watching a lot of MLB. So I mean, yesterday was fun to watch Dallas's game, and um, I'm not a big video game guy, but just watching as much baseball as I can. I, I miss it, and watching all the other Korean baseball um, organization, and and just uh, you know, any any chance I get to watch some baseball, just you know eating it up i miss it have you put a lot of thought into the differences right now that you're facing with well i guess when we do finally get baseball going um the differences in the minor leagues from when you played to now i mean obviously the the game is different the analytics are different the way we grade players is a little bit different than when you played uh how are you uh, how are you anticipating that challenge yeah i mean i i went through it a little bit last year you know i was the fourth coach on midland and you know i got to learn the analytics side a little bit more um, yeah, we didn't have all that stuff. We didn't get to watch our videos, get to watch videos on the opposing pitcher and single A and double A and even triple A. Um, so it's a, you know, it's, it's a different deal, but these guys are fortunate as long as you don't read too much into a lot of stuff. I still want them to go out there and, and play. You got to see the ball and hit the ball, but, um, but it's great. These guys have a, you know, a good advantage that they can go and watch the guys they're facing that night and study them and analyze yourself. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a good time to, to be a player. When you were a player, do you think if you'd had access to all that information that there ever would have been any chance of a kind of a paralysis by analysis? Like, I know, you know, some guys like Albert Pujols was like a, a monster about going back and watching his at-bats and watching other pitchers, and not everybody's like that. Do you think that that can throw some players off potentially if they're just looking at too much information? Uh, yeah. You know, I for myself, speaking of myself, when I was in the minor leagues, like I said, I really never saw my swing. I didn't see my swing in college. Uh, and then my, you know, my first year with the A's was, was pretty good. My second year was pretty good. And then, uh, you know, my third year, I started analyzing my own swing and started to tinker way too much, starting to, you know, look, okay, when I felt good, my hands were here. When I felt bad, my hands were here. And I tinkered, I think, a lot more than I should have. So, you know, you know, analysis, paralysis by analysis is a good point. Um, you know, I hope guys, um, you know, don't get into that thing. But these guys that are coming up now, 
um, they've been seeing their swings and they've been seeing things, um, you know, growing up, they've, they've always seen their swing with all the technology there is. So I think they can read too much into certain things, but, you know, knowing their swing and knowing the picture they're facing, as long as they don't dive in too deep, you know, I think they'll be fine. Do you think that these players having access to video since they've been in sometimes high school throughout college and, and everything, do you think that makes it easier to manage them and easier to get through and say, hey, look, we took a look at your swing or, hey, we want to try something. Do you think the fact that they've been analyzing their swings and their movements is going to make your job easier or harder? Well, either way, I'm going to you know coach each player differently. I mean, I like to kind of coach the person um, and then the player will come along with that. So I want to, you know, I want to earn their trust and, and, and I want them to know that I care about, about their career and about their swing and all things like that. I mean, it's going to be easier to analyze a guy's swing and he's going to know his swing better than anybody else. Um, but at the same time, I want to be able to help him on, on all levels, not just on the mechanics of his swing, but the mentality, um, the mentality of what it takes to not only keep going through the minor leagues, but get to the big leagues and have a certain confidence in a way about, you know, you go about doing things. Um, you know, it's more things like that that I want to kind of impart on the guys. I'd imagine that um, managing in the minor leagues and coaching in the minor leagues in general is a lot about getting a guy's headspace to where it needs to be to be a big leaguer. How have you embraced that, or, or what element do you bring to the table when you talk about that with with certain players? Like, what's the balance there between just coaching the ability of a player versus coaching the mental element of the game, which is such a slog for 162? Uh, I think the mental side is the biggest part. Um, I, I like I, I love diving in the guys' heads and um, seeing what they're about. Um, you know, a certain guy might respond to what you're telling him a certain way. Another guy's going to be a completely different way. Um, but it's, you know, that's the fun part is, is, you know, kind of figuring out what, it, what makes a guy tick and then, and then going from there. Um, you know, like I said, you know, teaching the guys the aspects of the game is something I, you know, I look forward to and teaching them how to play, but the right mindset to go out and, and play every day and the right mindset to not only, you know, get to AAA, but playing the big leagues and play there for a long time. You know, the guys in the big leagues have a, a different mindset than most guys do in the minor leagues. Was there one manager who made more of an impact on you in, in terms of other managers or one that made you want to get into managing? I mean, I know that you worked, you know, first off when you got into the bigs with Ken Maka, who was just kind of a different guy. I always thought he was hilarious and thought he had, you know, great quips, but he wasn't the, he didn't fit the classic managerial mold, but maybe that, that influenced who you are as a, as a manager today. Um, you know, not one manager in particular. Uh, I mean, I'd say Ron Washington was the guy I try to model myself after the most. Um, just the way, you know, last year I taught defense a lot. Um, the way I teach guys defensively, but also teach them as as, as, as players and as people. Um, you know, Wash has always had this infectious way about him where he's energetic and positive and, and he'll point out the small little negatives about things and then he'll pump you up as soon as you do something really good. Um, so, you know, going into coaching, I was like, you know, if I could be anything like Wash, which I don't think anybody can be exactly like Wash. I mean, that's, he's a he's a special person. But, um, you know, if I could be somewhat like him and players can can trust and buy into what I say, how guys would, you know, did with Wash and, you know, I'm doing the right thing. Now, this is your first uh, when we eventually start playing games again. This will be your first season as a head coach. We know you were in Midland last year as uh, like you said, the fourth coach. So. Did you do anything to prepare for this season that you're kind of rethinking because of the shutdown or are, are there any things you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to do X, Y, Z. And, and now that things are so up in the air, you kind of just have to stay on your toes and, and just adjust in whatever way necessary. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think the biggest part is, is dealing with the players. Um, like I said, dealing with their personalities and I, and I, I keep in contact with, 
you know, a lot of the guys at least once a week and just, you know, reach out and see how they're doing. I think, you know, the, the way the players are now, like we said, they can, they can analyze their own swings. They can do things like that. Uh, I'm there to help, but building relationships with these guys and, and teaching them, teaching them the game is something that, that is big for me. So I like checking up on these guys and, you know, I'm, I'm bored and I'm sitting here and I'm doing my signs in, in my room here and uh, just, just to do something. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to kind of get out there, but you know, I, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, to stay in contact with these guys and keep that good relationship that I had, you know, before we, we got shut down. So like, I wonder from a, I was thinking like from a fan standpoint, it's fun when you get to see guys playing a different position than, than you're used to seeing them play, or we see guys out of whack. And now in, in today's game, it seems like you got to be able to play three or four. You're a guy who obviously came up and, and took the torch from Miguel Tejada at shortstop for the A's. But over the course of your career, then you bounced around a little bit. You played some first, some third. I'm looking at some of your game logs here. You spent some time in the outfield a couple of different times. What was that challenge like learning a new position at the major league level? I mean, you're doing it at the highest level. And then the, the second part of that question is is there an emphasis now in the minor leagues from organizations about guys playing multiple positions and if so what's the impact on those guys well i think i only had one or two innings in the outfield and i was terrified i mean i never played the outfield <laughs> my entire life you're right um, i'm looking at two two but, total uh, innings in the outfield it looks like yeah yeah uh but you know you know playing all you know i only played really shortstop really my my whole life i played a little bit of second in high school so it was, it was a little bit different, but, you know, I was, I was fortunate to have, uh, you know, uh, Tug Wash and, and have uh, Gallego and, you know, guys that could, could help me out. But it was, it was a difficult, you know, transition for me because I had only played shortstop. Um, you know, third, I didn't feel comfortable. It felt like they were kind of shooting out of the machine where I couldn't read the hop. Um, second, the turn was, it was tough. First was a cakewalk. That was like a day off. I mean, it was fun just to try to go and pick it over there. Um, but, you know, and, and the second part of your question I think it's great. Um, you know, we have some top prospects and I, I was, you know, hoping I was going to get a few, which I think I was, um, that we're going to play short second third, They were going to mix all around. So I, I think it's a, you know, a huge asset for a guy, you know, even if you are, you know, going to be a big league shortstop, um, it's a, it's a huge asset to be, be able to play other spots. Like if Tejada would have signed back or signed a two year deal and I needed to go, you know, learn how to play second and split time or whatever. Um, you know, it only elevates the guys, uh, in stock if he if he can play their spot so and you know that is obviously it's just going into it i knew that i was going to move these guys around and and teach them to play their spot so you know it's um it's big for guys to learn to play all, all over the field now i'm curious when you came into the league there was such a an unbelievable point of emphasis on shortstops and you were taken over from miguel tejada and you also had nomar and you, you know you go down the list jeter and a-rod and all these other great you know shortstops did that put more pressure on you to try and be the next great shortstop and then obviously you know there was also an emphasis suddenly uh, at power at that position did that ever make you you know think about how you were approaching uh, a pitcher and going about your at bats I mean was it just because you came in when you know so much of baseball's attention was on the power productivity from the shortstop no I, I didn't put pressure on myself I mean my my triple a year I, I had a pretty good year I had you know I had 22 homers in in triple a as well and hit 300 and uh, you know, stole a bunch of bases. That was just kind of, you know, that developed into the way, you know, who I was. I mean, I wasn't like that in high school or even at the beginning of college. I wasn't a power guy. And um, the power just kind of came. Um, I didn't try to model myself after anybody. Of course, I loved watching Jeter play and Cal Rick, and those were my guys. Um, but I didn't try to, to play exactly like them. Um, and Nomar was another guy who um, was fun to watch play. But, 
I just played my own game. Um, it was fun to kind of look in the, in the stats, you know, the first couple months and see that I had more homers and heaters. Like, okay, keep going. Um, and things like that. It was a competition for myself. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was fun, but I, yeah, I didn't try to model myself exactly after some guy or feel like I had to put up power numbers just because, you know, some guys out there were doing that. You had some great times in Oakland, especially your, your rookie of the year season. What were some of those great memories that you really kind of stick with you and, and make you remember the good times? Well, I mean, my, my best time was, uh, we were a half game behind the angels and we were playing a day game and I, um, you know, with three games left or this was the fourth game, I had a walk off homer, um, against the Mariners. So we were tied up with the angels going into the last series of the year and the season was going to go to the playoffs. So. That that was my best, you know, my best time. That whole year was awesome. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I had a year I I probably hit, you know, 180 the first month, which was tough. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I had a good talk with with Billy, and you know, he said, just go play defense, dude. You're you're fine. Um, you know, you're gonna be my shortstop, and and that, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence. I started, you know, playing well. And then my last year, I was spent. I mean, I was tired, and I probably hit 100 my last uh, my my last uh, month. I'm sorry. Um, I probably had a hundred and so I tailed off, but that year was, um, it was incredible. And then after that, it was, it was definitely difficult. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. Now you were in you were in Pittsburgh and then you were in Arizona. Did you have Bob Melvin as your manager in Arizona? No, no. Kirk Gibson was there. I was only there for about one month. I was with, I signed a one year deal with Pittsburgh, um, and then I got traded at the deadline, and I was uh, you know up there for you know up in Arizona for one month, and that was it. Yeah, that would have been right out. Okay, so Gibson was your. How was how was playing for Gibson, man? I didn't I didn't talk to him much to be honest. I kind of you know when I first went there, I you know went in and said hi and and talked to him for a few. And other than that, I really didn't talk to him much i mean he was he was good all the guys liked him but i you know i wasn't there and if i was i don't even know if i was there a month it might have been three weeks so we didn't have a lot of conversations i mean he seemed like a good guy but to be honest i didn't really get to know him too well Uh, i'm just curious what kind of got the itch going to manage i mean i know that you know your player you you, you're obviously into the game but is it because the career comes to an end and you're still a baseball man and you want to go in that direction or was it something that you were thinking of even when you were a player I wasn't thinking about it too much as a player. And after I got done playing, I kind of did nothing for a little bit, played some golf, and I opened a baseball academy. Um, and I just found a passion for teaching. Um, you know, you almost forget how much, you know, you learn from all these all these great coaches I had. Um, so I found a passion. And um, after I shut my academy down, I, I called up Billy and, and David and said, hey, I would love to get back into the game. I don't know in what form, um, but I'd love to get back. And they said, yeah, come out to Instructional League. and and let's see what happens. So I went out there and uh, I, I loved it. It was, it was like, I, I think I've said before, it was like Christmas every day. It was, you know, getting out to, and, and being with the guys and being around the guys and teaching them and seeing them get better. It was amazing. So then I had last year where I was mainly the, 
the deep defensive guy and and you know i became close with a lot of players and dealt with players and i was like this is this is great um i didn't know what i was going to do next and then uh Grady and and uh, Ed Sprague and and Lip, you know, came up to me and said we'd like you to manage. So that's beautiful. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking and and the path I was thinking. I mean, I love to be in, in charge of a team and in charge of guys. And and um, you know, the clubhouse we had last year was incredible. And I think uh, the atmosphere was good. And I think that's you know, it's the same thing they have in Oakland. I think there's a you know a lot to be said for that. And I think it's very underrated um, when guys love each other and care about each other. So it's kind of the atmosphere that I want to bring, you know, when I'm managing as well. So is the end game in three, four, five years from now, are we going to see Bobby Crosby managing a big league team? Or is it, is it kind of, let's see how your first season in, in Stockton goes before we think about being a manager, maybe switching to like a, a hitting coach or a third base coach. What, what's kind of your, your projected career arc, if you think about it? Yeah, I would love to get back to the big leagues. I mean, I, I love, um, you know, educating guys at, at the minor league level. Um, but at the same time, I, um, you know, I, I I would love to almost kind of follow in the same footpath, um, you know, that uh, that watched it, where um, you know, you're you're teaching infielders, and um, I can coach their base. I know I can do it, um, and 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 being influenced on guys at the highest level. So, um, you know, what at whatever time that happens, you know, that's really not my call, but I definitely foresee that happening. Um, you know, and I'd love to do it if I get that opportunity. Bobby, we appreciate the time today, man. Um, we're, we're really hoping we get to see you out there. I know fans are excited to have you back in, uh, in managing, actually, and, and part of the organization is a lot of fun. And uh, keep doing your your sign. What's the sign for, like, uh, I'm going to have a steak for dinner? You go to the belt and then the brim of the hat, or, like, what do you – you're standing in your room giving signs, right? Yeah, right to the mouth, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you go fork and knife to the mouth. Yeah, just throw a Band-Aid on it, That's a little right, horseradish, yeah. maybe something like that, dude. Bobby Crosby, man, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, fun talking to Bobby Crosby. Um, I was actually looking while we were interviewing him. I was like, dude, the A's have so many Rookie of the Years in their history. Dude, I think I count eight. I think if you go back to Philadelphia, it's a little more. Uh, um, I'm, Oakland, I'm, I'm I going think. Oakland, yeah. I was going by franchise just because I was curious, and I knew that I knew the Dodgers were number one because the Dodgers have like an unreal amount of uh, of rookie of the years. I think they have like sixteen or seventeen, something ridiculous. Going back to Jackie Robinson, the first one in nineteen forty seven. Um, but the A's are in second with eight. It's like the A's and the Yankees are right up there. So Bobby Crosby is a part of that history. And if you think after Bobby Crosby, like that seems like it was really recent. There were two more after that, which is crazy uh, in recent A's history. So not to mention, Taka. not to mention, Mark Canna got snubbed. Who's Carlos Correa? I don't know. He didn't deserve it. Mark Canna, I still remember his rookie season with the A's. His, uh, I think his first big league hit was a two or three run double. He had the bases juiced and he was about a foot away from hitting a grand slam. Um, and, and I just remember looking at his numbers throughout the year and he was like one or two in extra base hits and RBIs, like in all the, the, the counting stats that I would think that they would put the, uh, all the stock into determining who was rookie of the year. And he had a great season, but, uh, I guess Carlos Correa w- did, did a pretty good job, but yeah, I'm still bitter about it. Just like I'm bitter about Eric Sogard, not winning the face of MLB giant conspiracy. He was robbed. <laughs> okay, so so we're going now. Now I'm now I'm curious. Now I got to get into some rookie of the year uh, voting from twenty. Okay, not only was Mark Canna snubbed, 
He wasn't even a top seven finisher in the American League, and that's as far down as the voting goes, is the top seven uh, is what they'll give you votes for. Maybe it's six, but uh, a couple guys tied, it looks like, at the bottom. Billy Burns finished ahead of Mark Canna in 2015, which would have been Mark Canna's rookie <laughs> season. So Carlos Correa, number one. Frankie Lindor, number two. That would have been a tough one to beat. By the way, Correa had a pretty damn good season. Miguel Sano, third. Roberto Osuna is fourth. And then Billy Burns in there at fifth. Um that was the same year Chris Bryant won it in the National League over Matt Duffy uh, of the Giants. But uh, yeah, uh, the A's, as far as Rookie of the Year's go, like I, I thought that was a, a kind of a cool thing to talk to him about, being that he's in the minor leagues now. He'll have a hand in in trying to get getting some of these young guys to the big leagues. And, uh, and yet he's a guy who won that award. Unfortunately, never reached that same level of success uh, as he did his rookie season, though, Bobby Crosby. Dude, I'd love hearing him praise Wash. Like Wash is one of my all-time favorite dudes. Oh, everybody who knows Wash, Wash loves him. Like you, you could probably get my dad to go off for I don't even know how long, but he could praise Wash for quite an amount of time. And I just hearing him talk about that, it really just makes you realize what an impact he has. And then also the other cool thing about Bobby listening to him talk is, you know, there's no peaks and valleys. Dude is even keeled, and I think that that's what he's looking at, and he wants to kind of be that that measured force. And I think it, when you hear that in his voice and hear about how he has a, a passion for teaching guys and comparing that with how wash would, you know, build guys up. I, I just thought that was really cool to hear. Like you could hear very much the, the, the even keeled managerial or coaching aspect of Bobby Crosby when he was speaking, it's not like he was going, you know, big highs and bouncing all over the place. Dude was just, he was even Steven. He was just very cool, very calm, very collected. And I imagine that's how he's going to be as a manager. Now, I hope he's got some red ass because I want to see him yell at umps. But at the same point, I did appreciate just how very cool and calm and collected he was. I always think it's interesting to see just how many baseball players have been affected positively by Ron Washington. I know I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say a negative word about him. And anytime a player ever speaks, they like go out of their way to heap on as much praise as possible. I mean, you have to remember Look at what he did with Miguel Tejada, who had some defensive difficulties when he first came up and Wash turned him into a very playable shortstop. When you have a bat like that, you don't need a necessarily a gold glove caliber shortstop, but he turned him into a, a really solid player. And Eric Chavez, six gold gloves in a row. I, I don't think he gets to where he is without Ron Washington. And, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting because a lot of times when, when I think about a player, an ex-player becoming a, a coach, a, a manager, I think, oh, their their end game is to make it to the big league level and they want to be they want to be the captain at the helm, right? They want to be the guy in charge. But hearing Bobby say, you know, I'd like to have kind of a similar career as Ron Washington. And when he was talking about that, he emphasized specifically the the help with being a third base coach and, and working on defense. And Ron Washington had a very successful managing career in Texas. But I think what we all remember him for is, is the the like the infielder whisperer, if you will, being able to just work with Marcus Simeon and turn him from a complete liability to a gold glove finalist. So, um, you know, it'd be really cool if 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now we start talking about, hey, Ron Washington was great and his protege, Bobby Crosby, became the the Ron Washington 2.0 that was really uh, worked wonders with all these infielders. 
Yeah, I think I think the cool thing about Washington that I think about is he's got the old school player feel, right? Like he seems like he's sort of an old school dude, um, but he's a he's like a player's manager, right? Which is kind of like how Dusty Baker was. Like I don't know that I, I have the same. They have similarities to me in in how players have looked up to them. And you're right, you don't hear any player say a single bad word about Ron Washington. Now, if you if you read you know Arlington newspapers, might be a little bit different. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think here in the Bay Area and especially in Oakland, he's always got a place. I'd love to see him manage again man he's a guy who i think if you had a team that was like the, and it's funny i mentioned dusty but if, a team like the houston astros i don't know that he'd go there but a team that, that is maybe on the verge or, or a washington nationals type team that's on the cusp and maybe just needs a push from a specific manager um i i think he'd be he'd be a perfect type guy to help get a team over the hump who was uh i mean we saw what he did in, in getting the most out of his players in texas back-to-back seasons they win the pennant and just can't get it done but uh yeah i, I think uh reminiscing about ron washington and comments you made about Eric Chavez, uh, you're absolutely right, Rob. I mean, I think, and Ted, I think I'm right in saying Chavez gave Ron Washington one of his gold gloves. Yeah, that is correct, uh, unless my memory is uh, deserting me. I, I, I think that's I think what that's happened. Correct. Yeah. 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 So uh, anyway, fun stuff talking to Bobby Crosby. And you're right about the even keeled nature, which, uh, yeah, I want to see a little a little chapped ass Crosby, too. But I oh, save it, it for it the ex- field. It exists, yeah. I'm sure. He's just, <laughs> we didn't give him any reason to bring it out. Yeah, Wait till like, a yeah, close dude, 2-2 pitch doesn't get called. Field. Let's yeah. just see, and he starts barking this? from the dugout. Wait, wait until he loses a game in the tenth inning because they started the inning with a runner on second base. Then he's gonna oh. lose his head. He's gonna, he's gonna flip his lid. That'll be it. But uh, hey, we'll be back on Thursday. More seam heads uh, all through the pandemic. Hey, we're trying to bring you all the baseball we can get, and we're actually inching closer and closer. It sounds like to a proposal to the uh, to the players union. So hopefully on Thursday we'll have some new news to talk about uh, in response to that. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get a free ninety day trial of the athletic go to theathletic.com/seamheads to get that trial in and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday